the stress of COVID-19. Welcome to SBH Bronx Health Talk, produced by SBH Health System and broadcast from the beautiful studios at St. Barnabas Hospital in the Bronx. I'm Faith Daniel. COVID-19 has spread around the world, wreaking havoc. It's closed schools, resulted in travel bans and shut restaurants and bars. The hustle and bustle of the Bronx we once knew is now a ghost town. The uncertainty around how best to protect ourselves and our loved ones has forced us to adjust to a new normal. This has created increased stress and anxiety, especially in those with existing mental health problems. Reactions to the crisis can include feeling overwhelmed, fearful, sad, angry, and hopeless. With me today to discuss taking care of your mental health during the COVID-19 pandemic is Dr. Pablo Ibanez, Outpatient Psychiatry Medical Director at SBH's Behavioral Health Clinic. Welcome, Dr. Ibanez. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. So let's just jump right in. This is such a difficult time for everybody right now, including medical staff. So I just also want to thank you so much for talking with us and still seeing patients. You're very Um, welcome. So it's normal for us to feel scared. What do you say to adults that are feeling like petrified right now? What I would say is that at this time, we don't know much information. We just know bits and pieces. It is normal. It's a normal human reaction to feel anxious and scared because we don't know what's, what's going to happen. So every time we are uncertain about the future, we might feel anxious or scared. What I would recommend is how to channel your anxiety. So things that you can do to channel your anxiety are things that are under your control. So one thing that you could do is plan ahead. So there are certain things that will come up during this time. For example, how are you going to get a refill on your medications? If you know you're going to run out of medications in two weeks, call your provider now and have set up a plan on how things will work when you run out of medications in two weeks? Will your provider be able to send your medications to your pharmacy? So these are things that you can do to take control of your life so the anxiety goes down a little bit. And I also think as well, just like doing things we enjoy, right? And reminding ourselves of the joy that comes with life. Correct. There are certain things now following recommendations, we have to stay home most of the time. So just think of the things that you enjoy doing at home. And you can still do those watching a movie or listening to some music, reading, doing things that you know that give you pleasure, you can still keep doing those. If we just think about the positive, like all the things we can do, I think even on social media, it's like so focused on all the things we can't do. Like I can't go outside. I can't go to the beach. But like you, you're right. Like I can read this book that I've wanted to. I can meditate now and like learn. I can do yoga at home kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And what about for parents? How do they talk to their children about this? You know, like their routines have been like all like turned upside down with no school and everything. And they must also be experiencing some anxiety as well. Well, every kid, depending on the age, is different. I will say take cues from your kid and respond to what they're asking. Kids that are younger might not have that many questions, may just be happy that they're home and they're just enjoying their time home. As they get older, they might have some more questions. And I think just being honest and telling them what is going on and also tell them that really there is certain things that we really don't know. We're just staying home just out of precaution will help them better to be straight with them. And if we don't know things, you tell them we don't know. If we hide things that we do know, kids pick up on it and that might increase their anxiety. So just being honest and tell them what's going on. 
I know you mentioned in the beginning about being like paying attention to like cues. What kind of cues can parents be looking out for to be like, oh, maybe my child isn't coping well with this right now? Well, it's just the same as you would uh, usually watch your child. If you see that your child is generally happy doing the chores, most kids right now are doing distance learning. They're following and they're doing their homework when their teacher tells them to do. If you see that your kid is doing okay, they're doing their homework. Sometimes kids are having play dates over Skype or over Zoom. If he's participating, happy, that's a sign that things are doing okay. If you think that your kid is not participating in the things that he's supposed to do, he's struggling doing his homework, he doesn't seem happy uh, when he sees his friends over Zoom. Those are things that signs may make you think that your kid is having more anxiety and those are things that you have to pay attention to. And you also mentioned something about like distant learning. So I wanted to go into more about like what is this like distance thing, quote unquote distance thing, is it doing to adults and children? So now children are distant learning. Now we have to be socially distant. Like how do people cope with that? How is that impacting people's like mental health? Social distancing is a little bit of a misnomer. What we really want to do is physical distancing. So we don't want people to be less social. We want them to be as social or even maybe more social than they usually are. So the fact that you're at your home doesn't mean that you have to be socially distant from your relatives and your family. You can call them on the phone, you can Skype, you can keep in touch with them. And I would encourage people to do that. We humans always want to be close to each other. And especially in times of when there is hardness, our human reaction is just to get close. Go check on grandma and grandpa. That's what we want to do. It's just that in this situation, that is what is not advised to do. So being physically close is not advised, but calling on the phone, Skyping, paying attention to others, that's definitely encouraged. That's a really good point. I kind of wish the CDC used that term. I wish that they use physical distance instead of social distance because you're right. There's like an implication that there's this like complete divide, like a wall, when in reality, we should kind of be reaching out a little bit more. And I think the physical distance part is a big deal because like you said, in times of crisis, you kind of just like want to reach for that hug. Actually, when I recently learned about somebody passing away, my first thought was, I just want to like hug somebody. But then my second thought was, wow, like this social distancing thing, I can't. And I think that was the first time it kind of like hit me. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure a lot of people felt that, you know, it was like that one moment when they realized that they couldn't like do something because of the constraints and stuff. But I know that like physical intimacy is so important, just being able to touch someone. How do you think that is impacting our like elderly population, especially? Our elderly population as a whole, even before these have a tendency to feel lonely. They're usually at home. Their kids have their families. They live their lives. So they feel somewhat lonely. So I think during this time, when we cannot go visit and spend time with them, they might feel a bit more lonely. So I think we have to be aware of this and just try to call them on the phone and just to let them know and let them feel that even though we're not there with them physically, they're still in our thoughts and we don't want them to feel lonely. Those are the things that we can do. Yeah, I actually saw on social media too because I've had a lot of time. <laughs> it was so cute. It was like a grandma's birthday and her family drove by and each one kind of had like a little sign being like, happy birthday, grandma. 
because it's still like keeping with the physical distance, but also still you're still able to say like, I love you and still show appreciation. Correct. Right. It's like being creative. That's very important to them. And it adds to their anxiety that COVID-19 seems to be worse in patients above a certain age. So mm-hmm. on top of being lonely, they have the added anxiety that if they get it, they might be at a higher risk. So we definitely want to pay attention to our elderly. Right. And a step further with this physical distance is being quarantined. So when you're quarantined, you know, especially if you live at home, it's kind of like you have to stay indoors by yourself. How do you think that is impacting people? Because it's a step above the physical distance. I think that's definitely a situation that we are not used to. And some people may deal with it a little bit better than others but can definitely make you feel more anxious and it can it can affect your mental health. If you feel that your anxiety is getting worse and you cannot deal with being quarantined, you can always reach out. You can reach out to your family and if need to be, you can also reach out to a health provider. And in terms of, especially for the elderly population, I want to give them a little bit more time because I know there's also that added anxiety for them of worrying about, you know, will I get this thing? Like, is it going to be a death sentence? Do you think, in your professional opinion, it's more paramount that we have like that social interaction versus, you know, the safety of staying away? I think we can do both. We physically want to stay away from them, not to make them sick if we can prevent it. But also we have to be very aware that we want to keep the interaction with them. We want to check on them every day and then we want to make sure that they're doing okay. Right. Yeah, you're right. Like we can definitely do both. Like you can kind of like figure out a way we could set them up on Zoom somehow or you can just give them a call like on a regular basis maybe to make sure that they're doing good. Mm-hmm. So what about those that are already struggling with depression and anxiety or may have like some feelings with of like OCD around washing your hands? Um, any specific advice for them during this time? From my opinion and my patients that have been struggling with the symptoms, I have not seen that they are doing worse. These patients are patients that were already worried about this. So if you could think about it like we are all worrying more And we're kind of getting to their level and they're staying where they're at. I haven't seen that things have gotten worse. They just, they themselves stay the same. We're just catching up with them in the worrying and the anxiety. What about for those that are struggling or maybe it's something new that they're feeling? When should they reach out to you? Or when do you think it's at that point where you're like, oh, something's wrong? What I would say is to reduce your anxiety first is don't spend every single minute of your day on the news reading about what's happening. I would say check in once or twice a day just to see what the latest recommendations are so that you can be updated and follow up with them. That's fine. But then the rest of the time, try to do something else. Read a book, do a project that you could do at home that you've been putting off, organize your closets, organize some paperwork that you have at home, some things that you can do at home that are not related to thinking about this crisis all the time. If you find that you're turned off the news and you cannot stop thinking about this and your anxiety gets worse, that would be a time when you can think about uh, reaching out. At St. Barnabas Behavioral Health, we are still open. So we are seeing most of our patients via the telephone, but we're still seeing them regularly. 
And if you want to reach out to us and you want to schedule a new appointment, we are still open and we're still taking new patients. Thank you for that. And I think that's really comforting for people to know is that if they have been seeing you, they're like, thankfully, I can still see my provider even from home. It's just like a new way. You know, we're doing it over the phone or we're doing it over Zoom. And if I do want to see a provider now because I feel like it's overwhelming, I can still do that. And I think that's really comforting for people. Correct. I don't want anyone not to reach out to us because they think that we will not see them during this time. We are still open and we're still accepting new patients. Right. Yeah, that's so important because I can imagine like people already feel so helpless. And I can like speak for that for myself too. Like you feel so helpless. You're hearing all these things on the news. You're hearing the governor talk about lack of PPE. We're hearing about the number of deaths. But then on top of that, people are also struggling with paying their bills, people that got laid off. The people that have maybe reduced their hours or are now working from home and home may be more chaotic than like the workspace. So it's just such a shift. And it's so important for people to know that they're not alone in this. Like your providers are here for you. Like seriously, you and the whole um, behavioral health team are like heroes, especially all the doctors in the hospitals, like, you know, just showing up every day, even though you guys also have like your own worries. So thank you so much for that. You're welcome. So for children, I want to talk about a little bit more about them and parents too. And how do they kind of cope with the shift of um, working from home? Because I think a large portion of people have started working from home. Um, and home may also be like the toxic place for them. So how do they kind of balance out that work and home life while being at home 24-7? Right. This is a, it's a very stressful situation also for parents. Mm-hmm. It is new for the parents because they're working from home. They're usually not used to it, but also their kids are working from home. And it's not just that the kids are home. They have to follow their distant learning curriculum. So this is an added stress for the parents. They have to do both jobs at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say just like everything, take it one step at a time. I don't think you can just tackle everything on the first day and everything is going to go perfect. I would say try little by little. If on the first day the distant learning from your kid doesn't go well and he can only do one hour out of the two hours that he was supposed to do, I think that is still okay. I don't want you to feel like a failure or like you do your best next time you try again next day, um, things probably will go better. He'll be able to do a little bit more. So just take it little by little. Yeah, that's a good point. And just, yeah, being patient with yourself and your child because it's also new for them. I think home in some instances, at least for me, is like where the comfort and the relaxation begins. So it's like to then combine the stress of like work with the comfort of home is like weird. Yeah, I think like, you know, taking things one step at a time, you know, um, like taking your breaks. I also think it's been helpful to kind of follow the work schedule. So like from that, like 12 to one time, like still going to like taking your lunch break at that time, like not just working through it because you can. And also like stopping at like your scheduled time so that you kind of keep that routine a little bit just in a different way. Yes, I totally agree with keeping the routine. Wake up at the same time, take a shower the same way you would like you were going to work, have breakfast at the time that you usually would. Just keeping your routine definitely helps because we as humans, we want to be in control and we want to know what is going on. So part of being in control is, you know, okay, at 12, I'm going to have lunch. At six, I'll stop working and I'll switch to do something else. So that definitely helps ease the anxiety. 
Thank you so much, Dr. Ibanez, for your time. And again, thank you again for seeing patients and like working with everybody. Thank you for joining us on SBH Bronx Health Talk. For more information on our behavioral health services available at SBH, visit sbhny.org. Thank you for joining us. You're very welcome. Take care.